1: And fortunately there's, there's always things to talk about in the world of hockey. So uh, as it pertains to the Bruins, we're really not we're only five, was it five, six, seven weeks away from feel really feeling like the hockey season is going to start back up. And in the meantime, there's some, there's some, some things to discuss and there's some articles in the athletic and some, some certain rankings um, from NHL teams this, this off season with how they've done in free agency. And there's some prospect rankings in the athletic and, we definitely think that that can, that can translate to some fun conversation for us today, and, and go off of those things. So, Bridget and Scott, I'm gonna throw it to you guys and ask how you're doing, and then we, we just dive into some of these conversations.
0: I'm doing well. Uh, like you said, sort of a, a downtime in terms of you know not many moves happening. There are a couple of things on the horizon that you know just guess just for housekeeping, people should be aware of, like Trent Frederick and Jeremy Swayman still not signed but their arbitration hearings are scheduled for July 30th and August 1st. So coming up end of this month, if they don't agree to a deal before then, so, you know, you're now less than two weeks out from that. Um, That's obviously those two. And then Bergeron, and and I guess to a lesser extent, Krejci, but I think we all kind of expect Krejci's done, Um, you know, those are like the outstanding orders of business left and they're pretty big ones, especially in Bergeron's case. But we don't know when that's going to get resolved. We do have a hard timeline on when Swayman and Frederick get resolved one way or the other. And that's in a couple of weeks, less than a couple of weeks.
2: Yeah. So we are kind of just, I feel like most days I wake up and just like refresh Twitter and refresh and like ref- if Twitter's working that day um, to just, just always like, Is there news on Bergeron? Is there news on Bergeron? Because that's the biggest off-season thing that we just don't know yet. But other than that, uh, yeah, we have a few things to just discuss because uh, Scott also sent this interesting thing, we'll get to this later, but about uh, the rumors. Apparently, there were rumors of potentially a Pajot for DeBrusque trade, which I I mean, just we can talk about it, but I thought that was just weird on its premise for a lot of reasons. Um, but yeah, Brian, uh, if you want to get us back on the rails here, <laughs> we'll start with what what we were gonna talk about uh, to begin with, which is comparing this year's team to last year's Bruins team.
1: Right. Yeah. So I'll. I'll so I'm gonna put. I'm gonna throw it to Scott. And, and Scott, you can reference the athletic article about just kind of uh, which teams we're up and down some of the better signings from free agency and whatnot and where the Bruins may land on that. But Scott sent us this article and it kind of got me thinking with the asterisk being, in my opinion, which is going to happen if Bergeron comes back to this Bruins team, what if Bergeron comes back to this Bruins team and you have Bergeron, Coyle and Zaka as one, two, three up the middle. And the defense is more or less the same. And the goaltending is more or less the same what really are the, the, the needs that this Bruins team has compared to last year's Bruins team prior to the deadline that was already on historic pace? And, and it, I don't want to spoil it, so we'll get to it. But, Scott, if you want to kind of go into the article and some of the good offseason signings that kind of play into these roster, because the Bruins did lose some players, but they did add some players in the offseason. So I know I was telling Bridget before we started recording, a lot a lot of the sub- subtractions to this Bruins roster this year – or this offseason, it seems really daunting because we don't know about Bergeron coming back or not. And I can say till I'm blue in the face, I think he is, but I don't know that yet, right? So, but put him aside, not only did the Bruins lose Taylor Hall and Nick Felino, they also brought back none of their trade deadline acquisitions, like Tyler Bertuzzi, Garnet Hathaway, Dimitri Orlov. And that's why it kind of seems like there's just an avalanche of players that they've lost, but they didn't have Dimitri Orlov. Tyler Bertuzzi, Garnet Hathaway for the first 75% of that season where they were already on historic pace. So I'm more so looking at where the Bruins lie, where the Bruins are today versus how they were lined up a year ago today. And and I think, Scott, the article that you sent this is probably a good place to kind of start because it just talks about some of the signings they've had so far.
0: Yeah, so the Athletics posted like a couple, couple different offseason rankings type stuff um, over the past week. And one of them that just went up on Wednesday uh, basically looked at every team's offseason and rated them in terms of expected goals added and expected goals lost. And this probably won't come as a surprise to a lot of people, but the Bruins are dead last. They're 32nd. uh, By their projections, expected to lose 28 goals um, from basically from last season's goal differential. But that number is with Patrice Bergeron out for now. So as you can imagine, if he comes back, the number goes down. And I would also point out here that on one of our recent episodes, we were talking about, you know, some of the other teams and where the Bruins kind of stack up in terms of still competing for a playoff spot. Guess who is just in front of them 30th and 31st in goals lost this offseason? Toronto Maple Leafs are 30th. Florida Panthers at 31st. Uh, they both lost a lot too, and like I feel like you know, sometimes we get so focused on the Bruins and, and fans in general and media around here, so focused just on the Bruins, like you don't totally pay attention to what other teams are doing. And it's like, yeah, Toronto added Tyler Bertuzzi, and that was you know, a nice steal for them, but they also that team lost Michael Bunning, Ryan O'Reilly, Eric Gustafson, Alex Kerfa, Justin Hall, Luke Shen. Nola Chari, like they lost all of their deadline additions too. And it's basically Bertuzzi, Max Domi, John Klingberg, and Ryan Reeves in, um, you know, Florida, same kind of thing. Like lost Anthony Duclair and Rakdo Gutis, two really good players. Um, we mentioned this before, but I did not understand at all the Panthers approach when it came to defense this off season where it's like they just threw quantity at the at the problem, instead of just going like all in on an actual top four defenseman and just signing one guy, so I definitely like see a step back for them as well. So this is what happens in a cap league. Like most of the good teams lost a lot more than they were able to add. So yes, the the Bruins on paper look much worse, but they also were you know at least regular season wise starting from a higher place and are not the only good team that lost impact players this offseason and had to replace them with, with something less.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, the, you go from the Atlantic being so high-powered and, and you know, Toronto being such a good team last year, the Bruins obviously being a historically good team, but everything has found a way to even itself out. Every off season when, um, you know – Free agents become available. Everything starts to shift and balance, and it's about making the right moves after that. So, um, I guess that is good news for the Bruins in terms of playoffs. And Brian, if you want to tee up your thoughts about, you know, what the Bruins would look like if Bergeron comes back, and then kind of where that where they would be this upcoming season compared to how they finished last year.
1: Yeah, so I mean, if if Bergeron comes back to this Bruins team, uh, you, you're looking at Bergeron, Coyle, create, um, Bergeron, Coyle, and Zaka up the middle. I mean, I don't know which would be second or third between Zaka and Coyle. I think Zaka would be number two. But if Bergeron comes back, you have three very very capable number uh, one through three centers, and you also have you know Morgan Geeky who can play center, and I just like on you're fine up the middle. On defense, Connor Clifton's gone. But Kevin Chat comes in. Your defense is more or less the same, equal to if not better than last year on paper. And again, this is all before the uh, the deadline acquisitions, right? So yes, you lost Dimitri a lot, but you didn't have him most of last year, okay? And then the is the same. So up front, if Bergeron comes back, you're fine at center. You're honestly you're, fi- you're you're fine in the in the in the bottom six. I mean, last year's bottom six, you had you had Trent Frederick, who at the time didn't have 17 goals to his name in a season. You had AJ Greer, who was a flyer that you took on. And you just, you kind of, you kind of hope that thing, you have Nick Foligno, who was coming off of a very down season. So, yes, all these players had great seasons, but comparing and contrasting to where this Bruins team is this year to last year, in my opinion, guys, you're you're one, if Bergeron comes back, Zaka at his stage in his career, I think is a net positive over Creache at the stage in his career. I think he's faster, I think he's entering his prime. I know you had the two of them together last year on the same roster, but Zaka wasn't playing center. Krejci was. So I don't think you're going to miss Krejci as your number two center if Zaka's your number two center at all. I really just don't. You, what, what you're missing, I think, is a top six left wing. It's the loss of Taylor Hall. And I don't know. I just feel like, again, if burrow comes is back, but I just feel like, as I said earlier, because you've lost so many guys from the deadline and a couple of guys you had before, it seems like I'm like insurmountable, but I don't. If Bergeron comes back, I just don't think you're as far away as you were at this time last year. I just don't, and I don't know if you guys have any similar. You're you're gonna look different, right? Like JVR on this team, Lucic on this team, Morgan Geeky on this team. Uh, is it Patrick Brown? Patrick Brown is that his name? Yeah, yep. I mean, like he's like these these new players. These new yes, players.
0: Boquist now in the fold. Mm-hmm.
1: that's right yes for Boquers too yeah and i forgot yeah see and yeah like this team honestly yes they did lose a lot but they've also they they also have don's done a good job of, of bringing in some replacements and with with maybe some some low risk replacements because i don't think anybody's expecting much of these players but i think they all have pretty high ceilings if they if they were to reach their their capabilities and uh you never know if somebody comes up from the minors too like 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 a like a Merkulov and a wise and we will get to that later so I don't know. I was just thinking about on the drive on the drive this morning that I just feel like if Bergeron comes back, yes, this team's going to look different up front. But as far as needs compared to last year's Bruins team last August, last July, you're 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 a top six left wing short in my opinion, and I don't I don't think that's that insurmountable as as the year goes on.
2: And Taylor and Taylor Hall didn't even always play in the top six. Like he like you're missing him. He plugged in on the third line a lot. Um, so more like a middle six. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's the big loss in terms of guys that the Bruins had before the deadline and obviously crazy. But like we mentioned, it's, it's different with crazy just because of where he's out in his career. And, um, you know, he's just a little bit older and we're not really sure where his mind is at currently, but, um, yeah, you're basically, you're, you're a Taylor hall short of where you were last year, which, um, by the way, it's it's going to be harder to replace with somebody that's on a you know a lesser contract, but uh, it's not impossible to do. So if you you've got a few versatile players that you can you know switch around to the left side if you need to and see how it looks. It's not like Taylor Hall, which I I'm not trying to insult Taylor Hall. I actually really like him as a player. Um, it's he's not somebody that's an irreplaceable type player. So you're, you're going to be able to try some people out and and slot them in there. And that's just because that's, you had to get rid of someone and you had to decide where it was going to hurt you least to, to shed a contract. And that seems to be what they thought was going to hurt the team less uh, than say, getting rid of Allmark's contract if they weren't liking what they were going to get in return for Allmark. So To your point, Brian, yeah, the team, especially on the back end and in net, if the Swayman negotiations go as expected, um, the team is not that far off from where they were last year if Bergeron comes back, but that's just such a huge if. And I know you feel like, okay, he's definitely, like, you think you're pretty positive he's coming back. Um, I still don't really know, Scott, where are you right now? I'm hoping that, like, uh, I feel like it's—is it Lou? Somebody <laughs> last year had it early. Like, or Lou might have been the creature. Lou Meroloni had
0: Lou. He Lou had Creatchi to- news. Yeah. yeah, he broke that.
2: Yeah, Ber- Bergeron. Context,
0: things tend to stay really quiet with Bergeron. I think he doesn't leak things, and I think people around the team and around him have so much respect for him that like they're not going to leak it. So. I keep going back and like, I keep ending up somewhere around 50% today. I I'm leaning a little more towards him coming back, but it's like 52, 48. Like I I just, it's hard to get a read on it, but I guess I do kind of feel like the longer it drags on, you know, maybe there's that chance that it's similar to last year where he's leaning towards coming back and it's, you know, Hey, Don, like, take care of your business with Frederick and Swayman. Get the cap set, and then, like, let's talk about what we can work out, what's left for money, you know, how we can fit me in. Like, that could be happening, but, you know, the last time we talked to Sweeney at the end of the development camp, it it still sounded like they just legitimately don't know yet. Like, there just hasn't been an answer, um, or even an indication, because last year, the point I said before, but... Sweeney and Neely, when they would meet with the media, like at the draft, they were at least hinting that, like, they felt good and they would use words like positive discussions and, um, you know, or like positive indication. And you could tell that there was some underlying optimism there that, where it's like they can't come out and say it, but they they have a pretty good feeling. And this year it's been much more like, we're just not giving you anything. And I I don't know if that's just a change in their approach where, you know, they're not even going to give the media fans like that little bit of positivity or if it's that they just legitimately don't know. And so they can't say one way or another. Um, but yeah, I mean, to this discussion, though, if Bertrand's back, I honestly think like you have a pretty good roster that at least gets you through and has you in playoff position come trade deadline. And then you see what you can go get. But if you're lining up, Marshan Bergeron, DeBrusque on one line, Van Riemsdyk, Zaka, Pozenach on another. Yeah, Van Riemsdyk is ideally a third liner at hit this point in his career. That's still a really solid top six. Like, with the defense and goaltending that they have behind that, you're still going to win a lot of games. And I don't think you're going to be in danger of missing the playoffs. Then your third line probably looks something like Frederick Coyle-Geeky, which... Okay, it's not a third line that has Taylor Hall on it like you had last year, but I think that's still a pretty solid third line. Like I, I do think, Geeky, Geeky can play up. I think he's a good, he could be a good third liner. We know Coyle and Frederick are good third liners, so suddenly like you, yeah, you might have to upgrade in a spot or two, um, come trade deadline. But I don't think you need to like do anything right out of the gate. I think you're. If that happens, you have a roster that is absolutely capable of winning enough games to have you pretty comfortably inside the playoff picture. Um, obviously, if Bergeron doesn't return, there is a lot more question marks there because now, now you are not just down, you know, a top six winger who's an upgrade over Van Reemsdyke. Now you are also down a top six center, and your top two centers are Zach and Coyle, who you know ideally would probably be your second and third centers, not first and second.
2: And and to the Bergeron thing, like the timing of it, how he hasn't said one way or another, the team hasn't said one way or another. One of the annoying things I've been hearing as a narrative in, you know, sports talk radio and, and just in general is like, is he dragging it out to be dramatic? Like, is this just like... Is he being dramatic? It just drives me crazy because that's obviously not what's going on. He's not, like, trying to make people wonder for the whole summer. Um, The team would love to announce, I'm sure, that he's, you know, whether or not he's coming back. um, Well, they'd like to announce that he's coming back. But uh, the whole, oh, he's being, like, he's creating drama, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't think that's really what's going on.
0: Yeah, and, you know, the idea that, like, somehow – He's holding up the Bruins' offseason or whatever. It's like clearly he didn't. Like they they went out and spent and made their additions on day one of free agency. So you know, I I know at the time we were like when Sweeney said at the draft that you know his decision isn't going to affect our offseason. We're like, how is that possible? Like how do you plan? You know, doesn't it dramatically change your plans if Bergeron returns or he retires? But. I, I kind of look at it now. And I'm like, I think it more so just changes expectations because if Bergeron, if Sweeney knew Bergeron was retiring, the offseason still may have looked the same because it's, there weren't top centers available. And, you know, guys that were rumored to potentially be on the trade block are still sitting put. They haven't moved. Mark Scheidt, you know, other than Dubois, obviously, which they were never going to have the prospects and picks to be able to pull that off. Like the Kings could, but Mark Shifley hasn't gotten traded. Elias Lindholm hasn't gotten traded. Like those guys are still with their team. So, you know, I maybe Sweeney might've been more aggressive on something like that, but like he still could be now. Like those guys are still, if they're available at all or ever were like, they're still there. So, um, you know, I don't know that he, like he actually would have, dramatically changed what he did this offseason uh if he had a definitive answer on bergeron it's there wasn't a whole lot more to do like you know because that that top center just wasn't really there to be acquired in any remotely affordable way at least not yet
1: yeah i mean i think when i think about the the situation of bergeron coming back or not coming back and and yeah like if he doesn't come back, it changes things dramatically. It, it just, it's, it just does. But there's four reasons why I feel like I just can't shake him, And and to me, it's, it's why he's coming back. And, and it's, it's first and foremost, I think it's, I think there's a lot of like Hollywood ending type script to, to his career here. If he can be a part and captain the team during their centennial season, and he would have been there for a fifth of it, which is crazy. I mean, like, it's going to be his 20th season. So I just think that I think there's a lot of validity in, in him wanting to be a part of next year, whether they were going to be projected to be the Presidents' Trophy winners or be the last place team in the league. I think he wants to be a part of that team on the ice. I think that means a lot to him. Secondly, I think that I don't, I, I just don't think he wants. I think he knows this. Not, I think I know he knows more than anybody the situation that the Bruins are in at center. If he were to to hang him up this year, and I and I don't think he wants to do that to them. And it's not that he owes them anything, but I I do think he believes that the Bruins might only need one more year to to try to figure something out for his replacement, and it could be through free agency or a hockey trade. I I think he believes the Bruins can can find his successor. In the next year but but not right now and i don't think he wants to put them in this situation in their centennial season i do think he wants maybe to have one last trip around the sun to kind of stop and smell the roses i think that would be maybe nice for him to do whether he admits that or not and i also think that there's an addiction to being a competitor um that i th- i don't know if he's ready to give that up because it's a very hard thing to give up for an athlete because when you're an athlete it's what it's how you identify yourself throughout your life it's like um it's how you become a professional outside of the skill set. It's they've lived it their whole lives, day in and day out. And I just think that you have to be—you have to know you're ready to to put to leave that all behind. And he's still clearly a number one center in this league, like you said earlier, Scott. So, you know, those four things to me add up to him coming back at least for one more year. And I, I think you make a good point about him along Sweeney to maybe figure out some other uh, contracts right now with with Frederick and Swayman and. And come back, talk to me after that, and maybe I'll just come back for a, a couple of burgers, at, a couple of burger vouchers at Legends after games or something like that. So, um, but 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 in all honestly, the the centennial season and not wanting to leave the Bruins high and dry at center during that season, I think, I think it, those come. To, I can't shake those out of my mind, and I would be really surprised if he if he didn't come back for one more year. And I know we just had a child. Um, and I know that he's probably feeling it on the, on the body a little bit and whatnot. But I would be surprised if he didn't come back for one more year. I'll put it to you that way. I'm not going to say that, I, that he won't retire, but I'd be a little bit surprised. Krejci, on the other hand, I, I mean, I'd be surprised if he came back. But Bergeron, I'd be surprised if he didn't come back for one more year.
0: Yeah. By the way, if he does come back for 20th season, he would be only the fourth brun in history to play 20 or more years with the team. Um, some mid pod trivia. Can you guys guess the other three?
1: You said 20, 20, or 20 more years at the Bruins. Yep. Well, um, well, Bork. Yep. Um, oh, geez. Okay. Are these all
2: like easily guessable or some of these like reaches?
0: Um, sure. I think, no, not Eddie. Sure. I think one more you. Should be gettable and one might be a little off the radar just because of how long ago it was.
1: Oh, oh, uh, Milt Schmidt. No, surprisingly, huh?
2: I'm guessing there's a lot of them that are like right around like 18 years that (laughs) seem like it it, has to be, it
1: has to be, it has to be players. I mean, hold on a second, hold on a second. Uh, oh, this is a. not not Terry O'Reilly, nope. no, no. Johnny Bu-
0: Johnny Busick, really? Yeah, and Dick Clapper was the other one.
1: I I wouldn't have. I, Clapper is just far beyond me. Busick <laughs> surprised me. He was there for twenty years.
0: Yeah, because he he was there for basically a decade before Bobby Orr even got to the team. So wow. he was there through through some. Well, I think they reached the cup final. Like his first two years, lost, and then were just like irrelevant for eight years, and then they finally got Bobby Orr and came back.
1: Wow, I, I that that's crazy. I wonder. I wonder if like any of the, I wonder if that would even trip up a lot of diehard Bruins fans that were alive for the, for the, for some of these players, or at least for part of their careers. Wow, interesting. Great, great yeah, because there there
0: was so much less interest in the team like during the early and mid 60s you know like
1: yeah Yeah. i mean even even bork i was like trying to figure out if it was technically 20 because i know i know he played 21 years and there's the infamous call after 21 years raymond bork but he won the cup with colorado the year after being dealt at the deadline i think so i was trying to see if that was technically 20 but apparently it was so yeah bork was obvious but yeah dick clapper i mean that was what was that like, like the twenties and thirties and forties?
0: Yeah, t- tw- 27 to forty seven was his. Career.
1: Yeah, so I'll I'll, get, I'll let myself off the hook there. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but the, the the chief one, I'm su- I'm a little bit surprised by. I, I didn't realize he played that long.
2: They actually like, this week just put up something on their social media, the bear tracks um, with music. Uh, I think in British Columbia, like yeah. out on the lake and and whatnot. So or is it the ocean? Um, yeah, I don't know if they're gonna put out like a an actual like full video on. The day they spent with him up there but they did do something with him this week
0: yeah i'm je- I'm jealous of like the the bruins video and social media team that like whoever gets to travel for some of these trips and just yeah hang out with johnny Busek on a lake like um... and then like
2: they the one where they went with swayman like fishing yeah. up in alaska and yeah. there's a lot of ones that look pretty cool
1: you know yeah. and also Real quick, just to kind of go back to that conversation we we're having, because Scott, you brought up the Maple Leafs and the Panthers, and then like also in the divisions, Tampa Bay, and and maybe I'm neglecting some key uh, additions for them, but I know they lost Alex Kalorn and they lost um, Ross Colton, and, and the, like those are two important players for them too. I don't, again, I, I'm blanking on who may, they may have brought in to help their case, but um, yeah,
0: they they they're 26 on this list too, so like yeah, they're down there. Their additions. All kind of depth guys. I mean, Connor Sheary, I guess the biggest, but Oh, Calvin
2: my Dehan, guy Connor. Kevin
0: Josh Archibald, Logan Brown, Luke Glenn Denning. They also just lost a lot of their identity. Um, you know, Corey. In addition to Kalorn and Colton, Corey Perry, Patrick Maroon, Pierre Edward Belmar, are all gone. Like those were bottom six identity
1: type guys for them. So yeah,
0: yeah so that's gonna that's gonna be a different looking team.
1: Where did Maroon Perry? go? Do you know? Oh. Perry, Perry went to. Uh... Who did, yeah, who did they go to? Who did Perry Maroon, uh, go
0: Maroon went to Minnesota. Uh. Perry went to Chicago. Another veteran with a uh, Hall and Felino, huh. and Belmar. I don't know where Belmar went.
1: Oh, Belmar went to Seattle. Right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so that's yeah. To so your you put it really well. They lost a lot of identity there, and and they lost the middle six players too. So. You know, I, I I think I think just to kind of wrap up the, the conversation, I think we're all kind of in agreement that like again, capital letters. If Bergeron comes back, this team's still going to look much different up front because there there were significant changes. But from a needs perspective, if if he comes back, there this team isn't isn't from a from a need perspective that far off from what they were last year going into the last season, and 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 that was. Now, obviously, I'm not expecting them to go on a historic run just because they have a similar, you know what I mean? But, like, um, as far as, like, expectations, like, yes, this team should be playing meaningful games in in the spring or, you know, approaching the playoffs. At the, at the Maybe they'll
2: m- go further than the first round being pissed off from what happened last year. Well, That's yeah, what, what happens. I think that we've talked about that before.
1: And what have we learned, right? Like, Scott, you made a comment earlier about how, if they're having a good season, see if you can maybe upgrade at the deadline. But it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know, like, do you, do you upgrade at the deadline? Cause like up, you know, upgrading your, upgrading your roster on paper clearly doesn't always equate to, to playoff success. So it's like, maybe sometimes you just, if, you, if you're comfortable with the team's chemistry and how they're playing, just roll the dice and.
2: Get Bertuzzi back.
1: <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. Get Bertuzzi or,
0: back. or you try to, you try to find like that, the one right fit like Vegas did with Barbashev you know where it's Mm -hmm. I I mean I remember when Vegas got Barbashev we were like or you know at least I was and I think a lot of people were like did Vegas really do enough like is that really enough where does he even fit in turns out it was like the perfect addition and they really didn't need anything more than that Um, yeah I mean I, I do kind of we mentioned it a little bit like right after the season but you do kind of wonder if like the Bruins it was almost just too much of a good thing where they, because of injury, like we all understand why they added as much as they did because they had injuries that they weren't really sure about. Um, But as a result, like you never ended up settling on your go-to playoff lineup because you kind of had this mix of new guys and guys returning from injuries. And you just didn't really have that time to kind of build up and, and figure it out. And, um, you know, it's, it's an easy second guess and again like I loved all those trades so, like I'm not going to sit here and say any of them were mistakes but you know you didn't end up like not really knowing exactly what worked best for you and had you you know maybe if you only add one of those guys you probably have a much better idea in in that first round because you can default to well let's let's go with what we had all season like why you know why mess with it and they didn't they didn't really get to do that because they also had new guys that they had to figure out where they fit.
2: Yeah. I mean, the defensive rotation was something that we talked about. Like, you now have an extra guy. Are you sitting Clifton? Are you sitting Grizzly? That became kind of a mess. And then they kind of just never found the right spot for Bertuzzi um, and didn't play him where we thought he would be playing. Um, and then, I mean, Hathaway, there wasn't really a big issue with how they used Hathaway, but. Um, yeah, it was it was maybe added to confusion, but th- either way, it those are all really good moves that theoretically it was really what you would think would have made them the, the best team, like the deepest team in a very long time. So, um, yeah, I guess we don't need to get that far ahead of ourselves, guys. It is uh, still the middle of summer.